How can the Virgin Mary be the mother of God? That's one of the most common questions about our faith in the Virgin Mary. And there are three other truths of faith also connected to the Virgin Mary. The Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary, the Perpetual Virginity of Mary, and the Assumption with her body and soul into heaven. Based on the principles we have been considering in previous episodes, we will see in what sense the Virgin Mary is the mother of God and how the other dogmas of faith related to the Virgin Mary are connected to that initial truth. Welcome to your podcast for College Catholics. I'm your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. I had the grace to visit the Holy Land. Uh, I was asked to preach a retreat for the Franciscans of the custody of the Holy Land, that is the Franciscans who take care of the shrines and uh, sacred places in the Holy Land in the year 2018. And I had the grace to stay in the old city of Jerusalem and visit the Holy Sepulchre several times, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and celebrate Mass actually in the same place of the resurrection of Christ, the place of the crucifixion as well. And um, as tradition has it, the place where the Virgin Mary stood at the foot of the cross. I also had the chance to visit the holy places in the, the Basilica of the Visitation in Ain Kerem, the Basilica of the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary that she would be the mother of God in Nazareth, and also the, in the Basilica of the Birth of Christ in Bethlehem. So these places are places made holy by the Word of God made flesh, by God made man but also made holy by the presence of the Virgin Mary, the most blessed mother of God. And therefore, these are places of uh, great faith experience. Moments, uh, there were moments of grace. I was able to touch the place where the angel appeared to the Virgin Mary, the place where Jesus Christ died on the cross, the place where Jesus Christ was born. All these are amazing experiences that strengthen my faith. And I hope one day you may be able also to visit uh, the Holy Land and strengthen your faith as well, seeing the real places, the physical places where Jesus Christ uh, was incarnate, was born, was crucified, and also where he walked and did so many miracles. In the previous episodes, we spoke about the human and the divine natures of Jesus Christ and how they are united in the person of the Son, the person of the Word, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Because of this, we can properly say that the Son of God, that is God, died a human death on the cross. We can also say that he was born in Bethlehem, that God was born in Bethlehem, that God brought Lazarus back to life, and that God cured a paralytic. Although the one we see did did those things as the human being, Jesus Christ. But for the same reason then, we can also say that the Son of God, that God was born of the Virgin Mary. And in fact, that's one of the most powerful lines of the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. In the mystery of the Annunciation, the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary in the town of Nazareth, as we read in Luke chapter 1, and tells her that not by the action of man, but by the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, she would become the mother of God. She would bear a son who would be the Messiah. 
the Catechism of the Catholic Church explains that in the number in number 485. It says, the mission of the Holy Spirit is always conjoined and ordered to that of the Son. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, is sent to sanctify the womb of the Virgin Mary and divinely fecundate it, causing her to conceive the eternal Son of the Father in a humanity drawn from her own. So what is, to me, most amazing is that Jesus Christ is not like inserted into the Virgin Mary as if he were a being coming from the outside. On the contrary, while the divinity is obviously the divinity is obviously coming from the outside, the humanity that is the human body of Jesus Christ is actually developed from the humanity of the Virgin Mary, from the womb of the Virgin Mary. That is, the Virgin Mary gave from her own self to the Messiah. She provided from her own body for the body of the Word made flesh. If you want, the body of Christ was knitted from the body of the Virgin Mary. Just to give you a visual example, Jesus was not in the womb of the Virgin Mary as a passenger seated in a car. When you are seated in a car, you are in the car, but you are in no way connected to the car. You continue to be physically disconnected from the car, although you are in it. However, in the case of Jesus Christ, he was connected to the Virgin Mary just as a child, any child, in the womb of his mother is connected to the being of the mother, although he's a distinct being, and that child receives nutrition from the mother. So Jesus Christ was connected to the Virgin Mary, was in the Virgin Mary, receiving his nutrition from the Virgin Mary, receiving everything that was necessary for his physical development and for his life from the Virgin Mary. It is similar, if you want, like another comparison, right? Another metaphor. We could say it's like a tree that is rooted to the ground and takes all its nutrients from the ground. You cannot easily separate or uproot a tree from the ground because its roots are completely intertwined and interconnected to the earth from which it grew. So this should help us a little bit understand why the Virgin Mary is no ordinary being in the life of Jesus Christ. She is truly his mother. She gave him his body. She gave him the instrument with which and thanks to which he would redeem all the human race on the cross. Right? So the Virgin Mary provided that body thanks to which the Word of God was able to redeem humanity by nailing it on the cross. So because of both natures, the human and divine, are intimately united in the person of the Son, we can say that the Virgin Mary is truly the mother of God because she carried in her womb the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And just as we say that our mother is my mother, our mother, your mother, and not just the mother of my body, in a similar way, although the divinity of Jesus Christ existed before the Virgin Mary, because she carried Jesus in her womb, and because she provided the living cells from which his body was made, because she nurtured the human body of Jesus Christ within her womb, we say that she is the mother of Jesus, and therefore 
she is the mother of God. Because both natures are united in the person of the Son. This, of course, is not something that she merited by her own actions. It was a pure gift of God, right? No one can merit to be the mother of God, right? So the Virgin Mary is truly and properly the mother of God. So this is a central mystery in our devotion to the Virgin Mary. It's the central truth, if you want, the foundation for the devotion to the Virgin Mary. She is the God-bearer, in Greek, the Theotokos. This truth, this truth was always, of course, always hurled, held by the church from the time of the apostles. They all believed in Mary as the mother of God. However, it became a truth that was defined solemnly and definitively as a truth revealed by God at the Council of Ephesus on the year 431 A.D. But the devotion to the Virgin Mary, Mother of God, came from the time of the Apostles, from much earlier than that. Now, because she is the Mother of God, our Lord also gave her many more graces and gifts. Right? She gave her, God gave her other privileges, if you want, gifts, so as to prepare her to be the Mother of God, to prepare a dignified dwelling for Jesus Christ. To put it in simple words, God was able to choose his mother and therefore created his mother at his own liking. So the first gift that our Lord granted to his most blessed mother was to be free from all stain of sin. This is the immaculate conception, right? To be free from all stain of sin even from the very first moment of her conception in the womb of, the, of her mother, Saint Anne. While every human being, after Adam and Eve, except for Jesus Christ, of course, uh, while every human being is conceived in the state of original sin and therefore separated from God from the very beginning, our Lord granted to the Virgin Mary and to the Virgin Mary alone to be free from all stain of sin from the very moment of her conception. She, therefore, had no original sin. This was of course, a gift, a grace given to her by the merits of Jesus Christ. So she was redeemed from original sin by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But that redemption was applied to her before there was any moment in which she could fall into original sin. So she was freed from all stain of sin from the moment of her conception. And therefore, she was never for, not even for a moment, separated from God. Besides, after that, God gave her further graces, and she was faithful to those graces, and was able to never sin again. This truth was always held by the Catholic Church from the very first centuries, her Immaculate Conception. However, this truth was defined solemnly and irrevocably by Pope Blessed Pius IX on December the 8th, 1854. All right, that day, it became a dogma of faith. Now, it was believed in the Catholic Church from the very first centuries. Now, there's another gift that God gave to the Virgin Mary. And that is to have been ever virgin. virgin right? She was a virgin always. This is also a mystery and a miracle because she was a mother and a virgin. right? Of course, that's, for us human beings, physically impossible. But not impossible for God. 
God himself wanted to preserve the virginity in Our Lady, a virginity that she herself had promised to God at a young age, according to what we know through tradition. And because of this, God granted the grace to her to be the mother of God while preserving her virginity, right? So Mary conceived Jesus Christ in her womb, not by the action of any man, but by the action of the Holy Spirit and without detriment to her virginity. She did not lose her virginity in conceiving Jesus Christ. But moreover, after the nine months, she gave birth to Jesus Christ without losing her virginity as well. And she remained ever after a virgin without conceiving physically nor giving birth to any further children. And this truth was also believed from the very beginning of the Catholic Church, from Ignatius, St. Ignatius of Antioch in the second century through the, lateral, through the Council of the Lateran in 649 that uh, stated a little bit more clearly, and especially in the Second Vatican Council in recent decades. So the Catholic Church has always believed in the Virgin Mary, ever-Virgin, right? Ever-Virgin Mary, who, by the grace of God, was kept a virgin before, during, and ever after the birth of Christ. Now, when you read in the Gospel that there were brothers and sisters of Jesus, it doesn't say that there were children of Mary. They were relatives of Jesus Christ, like cousins, if you want. Family members, extended family of Jesus Christ, so to speak. Well, there's another Marian dogma, fourth, a fourth Marian dogma, fourth column, if you want, or pillar in our devotion to Mary. And this is the dogma of the assumption of the Virgin Mary, body and soul, into heaven. This truth was also known and celebrated from the very beginnings in the church, of course, because they knew of her assumption into heaven. And it was held throughout history. However, again, it was solemnly defined by Pope Pius XII in 1950, right? So, it was held in the church for many centuries from the very beginning, but it was defined irrevocably and as a dogma of faith in 1950. By the dogma, we believe that the Virgin Mary, after finishing her life on this earth, she was taken up, taken up or assumed, we say, by the power of God with her body and her soul into heaven and is now with her glorified body in the presence of God. So just as our Lord, after his resurrection, ascended by his own power, body and soul into heaven, in a similar way, the Virgin Mary was assumed by the power of God, body and soul, body and soul into the presence of God. So those are the four main dogmas that we all should believe, dogmas or, if you want, truths of faith that are to be held firmly by every Catholic. And they, beca- they are like the columns of our devotion to the Virgin Mary. But there are other truths of faith that we hold as Catholics that should help and will help your devotion to the Virgin Mary. The first of the, those truths is that because the Virgin Mary was the mother of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the mystical body of the church, so too she is the spiritual mother of the body of Christ, his members which is the church. So you and I are members of Christ, mystical members of Christ. 
And this is why we can pray to her and ask for her intercession, because she is my mother and your mother, spiritual mother, that is, but mother at last. So we also believe that just as God chose to come into the world through the Virgin Mary, so too he chose to distribute all the graces of which he is the source through the hands of the Virgin Mary to humanity, making her the channel or conduit of all graces. And in this sense, the Virgin Mary is commonly considered and called mediatrix of all graces. It's like a channel through which all the graces come from God to man. And finally, because the mother, because the Virgin Mary was the mother of the one and only Redeemer, who is the only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, because she was so closely connected to the redemption of man as no other human being has been or ever will be, so she's also devoutly called co-redeemer with Christ. Or more simply put, co-redemptrix. Right? So, the Virgin Mary is our spiritual mother, the Virgin Mary is the mediatrix of all graces, and the Virgin Mary is the co-redemptrix with Christ of the human race. So I would encourage you to try to grow in your devotion to the Virgin Mary and to grow in your love of the Virgin Mary. Of course, she is not God, and she should never take the place of God within our spiritual life, and she will never take the place of God in our spiritual life. But after God, she is the most important human being to which we owe devotion and love. And if we pray to her, she will never fail us. She will never fail you. Whatever you ask to the Virgin Mary, if it's for your own spiritual good, she will, con- she will grant you. So say the rosary frequently, or daily if possible. You can also celebrate the main Marian feasts during the year, like a Solemnity of the Virgin Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st, or the Feast or Solemnity of the Annunciation on March 25th, the Assumption of Mary into Heaven on August 15th, and the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. These are four most important uh, feasts, solemnities, in honor of the Virgin Mary. So I encourage you again to have a special place in your heart for the Virgin Mary. Her maternal love will always keep you safe in this life, especially during your challenging college years and beyond. It will help you to learn to be a witness to the gospel to those around you. And it will be a sure path to salvation in 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 the moment of your death. So how could she not help you if you pray devoutly several times a day those inspired words? Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. I can assure you the Virgin Mary will always be at your side if you are sincerely devoted to her. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. Remember to please share this episode with your friends to help more college students and young adults in general to get to know and love the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God and our Mother. If you would like to support this podcast, please do leave a review in Apple Podcasts so that others may be encouraged to listen as well. May God bless your day, and we'll see you next episode.